This is Rolling Rocks Radio with Jerry Armentrout, Cody Carter, and Scott Barker. Welcome to Rolling Rocks Radio, a podcast where we talk about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, and anything else we find entertaining. I'm Scott Barker. He's Jerry Armentrout. Hey. Welcome to today's show. So, Jerry, we had some fights last night again. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, and not only did we have some fights last night, but for the first time in a long time, they had they had fans, which was great. They went back to uh, have some people out there, and we, uh, you can see the difference in some of the, especially some of the younger fighters that probably need that crowd, that get that, that energy noise to get excited. Yeah. So, yeah, and then. They were good. They were good fights. I mean, you know, there was only one major fight. Well, I guess Tony Ferguson, Benel Darius for the co-main event, but it really wasn't a, as heavy of a card as that we've been having. You know, this is one of those. Uh, well, it's because they lost the Diaz fight. Yeah, because Diaz was supposed to be on this fight, and he's going to fight, and later on in June. So, I mean, shit. Drop yeah, my phone, people. Drop my phone. So, yeah, so we had, uh, so Jerry's had this theory about the Shevchenko sisters yeah. for a while. Yeah, we, I come in this morning and say, well, there goes my, my, my plan. Because, well, it's not my theory. It's literally what Valentina has talked about in interviews. That she was going, she would never fight her sister. She would, uh she was working with her sister. She's been training her sister. And Antonia has been getting better and, ha, you know, come off a good win. She's been getting better. And I always figured, you know, I've talked about it repeatedly, that when uh, when her sister was ready to challenge, Valentina would vacate and move up to fight Nunez. And then Antonia would have that title. But last night she fought Andrea KGB Lee, who was on, I think she was on a 3 Three fight losing streak, all yep. by decisions. So she was kind of on the cusp of losing her, you know, being cut by the UFC. I think this was her last fight on her contract. And she come out and she dominated. She dominated the whole first round. She took Shevanko down in the second, and with eight seconds to go in the round, submitted her with an armbar, a very good armbar. And it's like, whoa. I mean, it wasn't a devastating loss for Antonio, but with so many women in that flyweight now, especially a lot of young women coming in, and you know, some, it's going to be hard for Antonio to jump back up to get a title shot anytime soon. Yeah, and Valentina, I mean, she's got a defense, you know, coming up soon. It's kind of what she wants to do because Nunez expressed interest in fighting her a third time. But she also said that she doesn't think Valentina could beat her because Valentina left the division to go down because she didn't want to fight her no more. But so, but it's it's Valentina has said multiple times that she's she's got the answer. She, I mean, both of them so, gone to decision. You're not talking about you know someone who get knocked out by Nunez. You're yeah. talking about a fighter that goes to decision. Those are probably the and most the first competitive fight, fights yeah, that yeah, that Nunez, Nunez has had. Yeah. So Nunez is like, I don't think she can get past me. And it's just like, well, I mean, you go to decision twice, and that first one was super close. Was, you know, I had Valentina win in that first fight, but Nunez, I think, won this, you know, the second, you know, both the decision wins. But I think Valentina 
might be, yeah, she may be the one for Nunez. Or she may be the one that goes in there and gets knocked out in the first round. Because Nunez, it's not like Nunez has stopped training either. Right. Valentina's getting better, but so is Nunez. So then we had the, uh, this one was rough. We had um, the Jacare Souza yeah. versus. Andre Munez. Yeah, Andre Munez. And not only was it a first round submission, Jacare got his arm broke, broke. I mean, it's no shit broke, broke. That was an ugly submission. Yeah, I'm, I was a little surprised that uh, Jacare took the fight because he, he hasn't fought in a while and he's kind of sort of leaning like he was ready to retire. Yeah, he's getting, I mean, shit, he's 26 10. Uh, she's, he's 26 and 10 uh, in MMA and 9 and 7 uh, in the UFC. And yeah, he's yeah, had a couple brutal losses, man. Yeah, and you could hear it. You could hear that arm snap. I think about it, man. He fought Whitaker. I think he fought Israel. He fought uh, Romero. Yeah, Jacare is no he's joke. Fought, I mean, he he's... fought. Uh, uh, shit, the young man that uh, just got destroyed by Israel. For the title that was talked about, the Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa. He he had to fight him. I mean, you're talking about Jacare's fighting. Yeah. These those the young savages in that division. Yeah, and yeah. he's he's been around for a minute. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think, how old is Jacare now? He's got to be pushing forty if he ain't forty. Let's see. I mean, yeah, he's been fighting for a long time. I mean, he was, a, uh, in the in a other circuits before he came to the UFC. 1970, he was born 1979, so he's 42. A little younger than me. Yeah, he's he's 42, so, you know, and but he's going to be, you know, if he's not already in the Hall of Fame, I don't know if he's in oh, the yeah, Hall Jock, of Fame. Oh, yeah, Jacare. Jacare is going to be yeah. in the Hall of Fame because he's one of those, he's one of those perennial names. He's like, um, oh, the, the, uh, Fought McGregor. McGregor knocked him out to get the title. Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo. He's like Jose Aldo. Yeah. Right? He's that guy who's always there, always in title contention. Yeah. You know, even if he's on a slide, he's still dangerous. Yeah. He's still one fight away. He's, he fights away from being he, your Yeah, being, yeah. being back in it again. So, yeah, that was that was ugly, though. We'll, you know, we certainly hope that he comes yeah. back and heals up. But, man, that was an ugly, yeah. ugly break. Uh, Jordan Wright. Uh, for Jamie Pickett, that was over in a flash. Uh, Jordan Wright, who's the Beverly Hills Ninja. Best uh, best nickname of the night, Beverly and Hills Ninja. he come out and he just went at Jamie Pickett from the get-go. Uh, these are two young young guys. They're both really aggressive, and Jordan Wright won the night. I mean, he, he come after him, put him on a flurry. Uh, he hurt uh, Pickett. And just kept chasing him, kept chasing him, and just throwing. And Pickett was start was moving his head pretty well, so the referee wasn't stopping it at first because uh, he was at least defending. And then Jordan Wright uh, hit him with a jumping knee, and that was that was that. So a minute, minute four. Yeah, it was yeah. the official time, but he it probably could have got stopped in about fifty seconds. Yeah, he when he when that flying knee hit, you know, Pickett went stiff and went down. I think that was. That was it. Uh, Lando Bonetti, Mike Grundy, that was a split decision. Uh, 
for Vanetta, that was kind of a back and forth. You know, it was kind of weird. The um, the Edson Barboza on the main card, the Edson Barboza Chamber Ghost fight. It was a good fight, but the ending was a little weird. Um, Edson uh, came in and hit him with a with a, a kind of a, a kind of a left straight, and then when uh, Burgos parried, Edson came in with a right overhand and connected hard with Burgos, and then Burgos. He's standing there, he's still juking, he's getting set up, and you're like, you're counting one, two, three, and then all of a sudden it's like somebody flipped a switch and Burgos just like tumbled back and went out. Yeah. And Barboza got, you know, got on top of him a couple of hammer fists. But yeah, it was like, it was, it was the, the look on Burgos' face was like, I got this, I got this, yeah. I don't got this. Yeah. Boom, down. So that was kind of it's an like odd his brain, Yeah, his it, brain just kind of like, it took a second for his brain to catch up. Yeah. Well, who were we? Oh, well, it was, I mean, it was sort of like the Cerrone fight last yeah. week, right? It was like the the, the, yeah. the brain was willing, but the body wasn't. Or, yeah, his, yeah he, his, his eyes were set, like, yeah, I'm good enough. I'm good to go. But it's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe not. Maybe not. So then, uh, yeah, the, the, the Matthew Christopher uh, Hogerio Bortoran fight, that went to a decision. That was, that was okay. The co-main was Tony Ferg versus uh, Benil Dariush. Three-round decision. It's Tony's, what, sixth loss, ninth loss, twelfth loss? <laughs> Sorry, this is his th- third in a row. Uh, so he's basically just – he's out of any title contention. That he's done. Uh, for title contention. I mean, Ferguson is still Ferguson. Yeah. But it was weird. He lost to a leg – he to a heel hook. It's like Ferguson was, is a tenth planet, you know, guy. You think he wouldn't get himself caught, but he's uh, Charles Oliveira in the fight before caught him in that nasty armbar before, you know, that he fought through. But I mean, he's been getting caught in some submissions here lately. It's like, dude, that would never happen. And now all of a sudden, he's getting uh, just caught in all kinds of stuff. I mean, he got caught in that heel hook, and it was nasty. And I mean, I. If he didn't blow his knee last night, I'd be surprised. That that was some – he tried to fight out of it, and Darius put it on him. So the the thing with Tony is, and if you – you know, you hear Eddie Bravo, who's, you know, technically Tony's – I don't want to say head coach, because Tony doesn't have a head coach, right? Tony runs his own training. He team. brings in people – yeah, he, he sets up his own thing. He has people help him. They typically go up to Big Bear, yeah, and they stay up there, and they run the camp up there for elevation. And because, you know, it's quiet and people don't bother him, he can get, get Tony's mind focused. And yeah, he just brings in people, but it's almost every camp, you know, he's got Eddie Bravo. Yeah. And he te- works with him on his grappling, you know, and other people. I mean, Bravo will bring in other guys to work with him, and, you know, but he's not – in. Bravo is not a striking coach, and he nope. he's told me before. Don't ask me about striking; I can't tell you. But he is a high. You know, this is Eddie Bravo, man. I mean, this dude is with the Tenth Planet style. He's got some killers coming out from under him. And yeah. uh, back in the day, Ferguson was a scary, scary opponent because if he got a, his hands on you, you were going to get submitted more than likely. Yeah. 
I wonder if Tony wouldn't, at this point in his career, I wonder if he wouldn't benefit from a like true camp. A true camp where somebody is. You hear about his work ethic, and yeah. you know, nobody works harder and whatnot. And I, I believe it. Yeah, his cardio. Yeah, superb, his cardio is great. But he's just getting beat I, by some random stuff. I just wonder if he wouldn't, if he wouldn't benefit from a structured camp run by somebody else. Yeah, not him. Yeah, not him. You not that. I mean, up until recently, right? He's been successful, but. Yeah. You know, maybe it's time that he looks at a different, and not not necessarily even like train, uh, changing. He doesn't really have a school, right? I yeah. mean, training team or trait, not even changing teams, but just a more structured camp, right? Well, maybe he, he he might benefit from joining that team. He could, yeah, from he very well could. A team, and there's a lot of high level teams that would be happy to have a oh, Ferguson yeah. name on their roster. And there are plenty of high level teams that. Part of their part of their their particular camp or their particular school is Tenth Planet, yeah. right? Eddie Bravo. So it's not like he has to ditch the Tenth Planet, the Tenth Planet thing to go to to change to go to a school, yeah. right? Or go to a team. There's plenty of teams out there that do Tenth Planet. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting what he wants to do because I mean he's he's been pretty. Uh, but hurt that he's not the one who got the title shot last night, that he deserved it, even though he's lost a couple fights. I mean, he fought Charles Oliveira and got beat. He lost to Justin Gaethje. I mean, he's he's on a, what, three-fight three losing streak. I mean, it's – and you still have people talking, oh, well, he'd have been, he'd have been the guy to beat Khabib. Really? He can't beat Dariush. You think he would have beat Khabib? I mean, if he's losing – if he's getting dominated grappling – uh, by Charles Oliveira and then Darius, you think he would have been able to defend that world champion wrestling grappling style of Khabib, who would just smother you? The the thing about Tony is when he was when he was in line for that first fight yeah. with Khabib, he was. Right, there's an argument that yeah. he may have been the guy to beat Khabib, but then. And shit that's gone on since. Dude, there's been He's I mean, been you a, look at Tony's career the last two years, yeah. right? He he He's wearing sunglasses in a dark in, in a dark backstage, yeah. trips over a cable, blows out his knee, he's gotta recover from that. The pandemic hits. Yeah. He's hardcore holding out for Khabib. He won't fight anybody else but Khabib, right? But he's, then he turns down a couple fights with Khabib. Because of contract issues, yeah, and yeah. Khabib retires, and now he's coming back after. I mean, what was his his pause before he came back in? Was eighteen months? Yeah, he's been out a while. He'd but he's, been out a while. He had some family issues in that time. Yeah, he a lot went on. Yeah, I mean, he's he's had some in, some mental issues going on. So it's like, man, he's got to figure it out. I mean, again, we're not experts. You know, our my 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 uh, fighting is limited to you know a few fights, a few amateur boxing fights, and a lot of sparring in the gym. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm an expert, but I'm a big fan, and I follow the lines. I mean, it doesn't take an expert. I mean, a lot of these guys who do shows that they've never even trained MMA. They've never even trained jujitsu, let less anything else. They might have took a karate class in the Y when they were ten, and so 
uh, we're just I'm just talking about what we see as fans, man. And, yeah. And as someone who loves the sport and have been watching it since day one, you know, back when there was no weight divisions and very few rules, and dudes were just showing up in sneakers and tennis, you know, wrestling shorts shoes and, and shorts, you know, blue jeans and shit. Dudes coming into the ring, you know, to the octagon with a fucking pair of blue jeans on. I mean, those were the good old days. So, uh, so then the main card, Charlie Olives versus Michael Chandler. That did not go the way I thought it was going to go. Like we talked, we talked about before the show. Uh, last night I was sitting there watching the prelims, and they put up a tweet from DraftKings, the sports, you know, their sports book now, and that someone had just dropped a seventeen and a half seventeen five thousand dollar bet on Chandler to win. And my wife was like, "Wow, to have you know that money just to throw on a bet." You know, just be like, yep. And I was like, yeah, you know, but a lot of these people have, you know, probably have that money to them. It's probably like me throwing $100 down. But that's, you know, uh, but she asked my opinion. And I said, this fight is too close to call because Chandler is a world-class wrestler. He's very aggressive. He's dynamic, but he has some flaws. And Charles Oliveira is that guy who's always been in the background until lately. That he was always winning. He's got a long fight streak going, win streak going. But he was always that uh, either uh, main main event for your prelims or you know a second first or second fight on your main card. He was never the headliner. And then he start he kind of finally broke through a little bit. And now you know you come into the last he was ready for this week. He seemed a little anxious. Uh, Chandler was talking about he was going to finish him in the second round, and it, it was the actual reverse. Mm-hmm. Oliveira was on it last night. Yep, that was. I mean, he was he was no kidding. It was 19 seconds into round round two, two. Yep. and yeah, he Chandler just got knocked the fuck out. He, he was uh, he Oliveira had Chandler moving backwards. Uh, he stepped in with that kind of looping left hook that clipped Chandler's jaw perfectly and kind of rocked him and put put him in danger. And then Oliveira switched stances and came in with <coughs> a straight punch and then just beat him up against the cage, and they stopped it. But, yeah, that, that step-in looping left hook right to the jaw. And it's almost similar to what uh, uh, Pitbull did to Chandler yeah. in – Bellator, when he lost his title before he came to the UFC. Pitboy caught him coming in, caught Chandler moving backwards, and he came in with a looping left hook that caught him right on the ear and put him down. And, you know, that's, I was, you know, I told my wife that that would, could possibly be the issue is be, uh, Chandler's been knocked out a couple times. It, I mean, it had, we've talked about it with Overeem, we've talked about it with a couple of folks. When you, when you start taking those head damage and, and you know those knockouts, even if they're just like a partial knockout or, or a flash knockout, right? Your brain remembers that, and yep. it says you know, to quote Jerry, "Nope, we're not doing this anymore," and yep. just turns off to protect yourself. And you know, I mean, it it very well could be it. That is a thing yep. for sure. It's like it decides. You know what? Leave us out of this. Yep, <laughs> we don't want any more of this. We're gonna take a nap. You're on your own. Yep. So the next card. Um, is going to be the the Rob Font versus uh, Cody Garbrandt. 
That's going to be, that's coming up this coming Saturday. That one will be fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, got Cody Garbrandt coming back off a couple losses. So we'll see how he bounces back. This is a big fight for him because if he loses this one, you know, it, it just, it's his path towards a title that gets real murky. I mean, uh, well, Garbrandt, I think, won his last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that beautiful upper uh, uppercut uh, knockout win that was awesome. But he had a couple losses. He held the title for just one fight. He won it and lost it. Uh, but I mean, he was a champion, so we can't disparage him. But with all the again, the UFC has so many fighters and so many high level fighters. You know, they're top twenty in any division. If you take a loss or two in a row, you're you're kind of out of title contention for a while. Yeah. I mean, it kind of puts you, you know, down at the bottom, man. Unless you, unless you're a legend, unless you're a Jose Aldo or, you know, yeah. guys like or, you know, Jacques Conor, Souza or Con- Conor McGregor, you know, he's going to fight Dustin Poirier and the winner of that fight will get a title shot. And I mean, Conor McGregor lost to Khabib and lost to Poirier. But he he can pull that off. Does he learn from his like the the thing about Connor is Connor tends to learn. It seems like he learns from his mistakes. Yeah, right. I mean, he he corrected his mistakes that he had against Diaz. Yep. He didn't really have the opportunity to correct any deficiencies he had against Khabib. Look, yeah, the Khabib thing. I think a lot of that was in his head because yeah. he sits Khabib down with a strike and then backs up. It's like you know because he was scared to get on the ground with him. And so it was like, eh. And even his coach was like, yeah, we're fighting not, not to, to lose. lose. Yeah. We weren't fighting to win. We were fighting not to lose, and we lost. Because, yeah, you, you, you sit someone like Khabib down with a punch, and you don't capitalize on that, that half was, a second, two yeah. seconds where he's kind of Not quite there, yeah. That, was, yeah, yeah. that was a tactical error. Yeah, that was that. And that led to the, the, the you know, that's you could probably say that was the turning point. Because he set him down and then backed up and let – Khabib recover and get back up. Yep. Uh, so those were the fights. Um, you got anything else on the fights? Nah, uh, no. We've got, you know, hopefully got some coming up. Uh, we got in July, you get Leon Edwards, Diaz. I yeah. mean, in June, July, we got Poirier, McGregor, uh, boxing, Tyson Fury, and Anthony Joshua's coming up. Did you get the video I sent you yesterday of Tyson Fury working uh, mixed martial arts with Nick Diaz? No, yeah. I didn't. I, I got it. I didn't watch it. Yeah, it's Tyson Fury working uh, with Nick Diaz on takedowns and ground and pound. Really? Yeah. Kind of, kind of got to wonder. I mean, it could just be because they were bo- you know, bored. But yeah, he was he was teaching him take a little bit, little basic takedowns and some ground and pound, and you know, so. Because you've got oh Francis and Ghana talking a whole lot of trash. About yeah, he can knock Tyson Fury. I was like, Ghana, you got a lot of power, but you're talking about Tyson Fury, who does that for a living, is just a striker. If you can't lean on him and take him down, if this is a strict boxing match, Tyson Fury will piece him up. Okay, yeah, but on the flip side of that, you are talking about Francis Ngannou, who's not really a takedown type of guy. But he also leans, clinches. That's true, hit. Yeah. He has good MMA striking, 
that's not. I mean, it's not boxing. It's not right. boxing. Yeah. And you're talking about a world champion. You're not talking about. And you're not talking about a, a former. You're talking about a reigning champion. True. Who who beat, who survived Wilder, who who was supposed to be have one of the hardest knockouts, in heavyweights. He survived him the first time and then beat him up the second. So. Yeah, and the the, the one other fight that we. Um, that we actually didn't talk about was um, the uh, the heavyweight um, title change in oh, Bellator. Yeah, or, yeah. Oh, one. That's one right. I'm sorry. Yeah, one championship. Yep. Um, you had, jeez, uh, I totally forgot his name. You had you have the first uh, Indian Indian born uh, champion in mixed martial arts. Yeah, uh, Pular. Yeah, he and it was a dominating. He stopped Brandon Vera. He, yeah, he, he was a tough customer. He fought in the UFC. I think he fought in Bellator. He's a tough fighter, and he stopped him in the second to strikes. Yep, that was a that was a good one. So congratulations to him. And then in September, which I find this fight interesting. In September, we've got um, Jan Blahovich versus Glover Teixeira. Yeah, that'll be an interesting fight. I mean, uh, Glover's been Glover's been in it for a minute, but yeah. you know he's but, always in contention. Yeah, Glover still puts you to sleepy sleep. So yeah, that and that's more of a that's a respect fight. That's saying you know what you know because I could challenge anybody, and he's like Texera is working his ass off to get one more shot. So we'll give him one more. We'll give him the title shot. Yep. And I mean that—that's some respectful stuff there, man. Yep. And I mean, he's like I said, Teixeira has been in it in it for a while. He's forty-one years old. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been one of the one of the names at light heavy for yeah. quite a while. You know, yep. I mean, he's been around for. He's he's got a you know, as Jerry likes to say, he's got a bit of a salty record. Mm-hmm. He's got some. He's got some good wins. He's got some good loss. Some you know, what you want to call good losses, right? He's lost to some high level guys. Yeah. You know, he's thirty two and seven. He was involved in that that uh, the tooth that went to the moon. Yep. His last loss was to Corey Anderson in twenty eighteen. Yeah. He's on a uh, he's on a five fight run. Yeah. He beat uh, Tiago, Ryan Hart, Anthony he, Smith, he, Tiago Santos, uh, Ian Cutelabra, the Hulk again. Mm-hmm. Uh, by rear naked by uh, rear naked choke, uh, and then it's, it's been kind of salty after that. He lost to Alexander Gustafson, um, lost to Anthony Johnson. Yeah, that the Anthony Johnson one I think was the that was the two to the, the moon. That one went flying, uh, but that's going to be an interesting fight. I'd like I, to again. I think you know Blahovich is you know he he dismantled Israel, and he could. Fight anybody he wants, you know. He could say pick his contender now. You know he fought Israel and dominated. So Dana was probably like, you know what, you know, who you want to fight? And he's like, I want to fight Grover. I'm gonna give him. He's working his butt off. He's he's getting kind of up there. If he don't fight, you know, soon. I mean, he's gonna, you know, it's kind of yeah. gets to that age where you just really can't. So it's gonna be a good fight. And I mean, I wouldn't. I would not be super shocked if Grover pulls something out of his butt. And I didn't realize that um, that Jan was as old as he is. He's thirty eight. I yeah. didn't realize he was that old. He got a late start in the UFC. 
I think he got a late start in mixed martial arts to begin with. But he's, yeah, he's 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 one of those guys. He's a little up there. He's gonna. He's probably got. He's right now. He's dominant. I mean, yeah. After the dominant win over Israel, unless John James comes back, which we can talk about in a minute, he is, does not look like he's coming back to light heavyweight. He's thicker than a Snickers bar right now, boy. And then a good way, not not. Well. Not no, not just gaining weight, putting on muscle. Dude is getting ripped and ready. So that Ngannou fight looks legit. His, I mean, at least he claimed. You know, at least it looks that way. When he was on his hiatus, I mean, he was doing all that power. But we'll yeah. talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but I would actually, I wouldn't mind seeing Jan versus uh, John. John. That that would be a good fight. Yeah, but if John John's putting the weight on, you'll never see yeah, him heavyweight again. He's not going to come back to light heavy. He's either not going to fight again. And you know, my yeah, th- we've talked yeah. about my theory. He's either not going to fight again, or he's going to be at heavyweight. Yeah. Um, but you you heard the story about Jan and the rope, right? Mm-hmm. So oh yeah yeah yeah. No, yeah so Jan's got this yeah. piece of rope that he carries yeah. with him, and apparently when he was a kid, he found. Um, a guy who committed suicide in the woods uh, in his village in Poland up hung by a rope. So he went and got the cops. The cops, the police came and cut the dude down. And one of the, the police officers cut a chunk of this rope and gave it to Jan and basically said something like, you're a man now, or this is something that will travel with you forever. And Jan carries that piece of rope with him and prays with it because it, it's a reminder of his mortality, yep. which is, it's a very, that, that, that's a very Eastern European, Polish, yeah. Cossack kind of yeah. kind of thing, right? To, to meditate on your mortality before you go into the ring. Um, but anyway, so got anything else, Jerry? No, not for that. All right, man. We will be right back after we hear from uh, episode 11 special guest Matt Warner and his novel Empire of the Goddess. We will be right back. My name is Thomas Dillon. You may know me as the man who supposedly killed his own son to collect insurance money. The truth is my little boy, Walter, was abducted by a religious cult. They took him to a parallel world, to an America run by religious fanatics and plagued by disease. I know because I've been there, and I found my son. It's a place of magic and malice and ignorance, where faith healing is medical care and government enforcers dress like Klansmen. Now, I know I sound crazy, like this is the plot of a dystopian dark fantasy novel that would appeal to fans of Neil Gaiman. And indeed, that's how I had to get my story out, by teaming up with writer Matthew Warner. He published my first-person account as a novel called Empire of the Goddess. Publishers Weekly called it quick-paced and intriguing. Can you believe that? But he let me record the audiobook, because only I can tell you my story. And it's going to blow your mind. Look for it on Amazon and at MatthewWarner.com. Empire of the Goddess. And we're back. All right, so various and sundry today. So we were just talking about John Jones being thicker than a Snickers bar. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen the pics um, he's that put, he, Jerry's talking about, but they tell look, us about it. He's putting on weight. He's been uh, – he 
puts posted some stuff up. He's put on some weight so he can get ready, and it's like muscle weight. He's been doing a lot of lifting, uh, but he had taken he put a little video up of him sparring with his coach, hitting mitts and stuff, and he moving a little a little heavy for him, a little slow. And he told people, it's like, this is just working the muscles. This is not how I'm going to look in a fight. He's like, I'm putting on weight right now, and I'm not really focusing on my striking. I'm focusing on gaining weight. Uh, so he's they showed uh, side-by-side pictures, and, yeah, he's put on a good bit of weight. You could tell. I mean, he's getting thicker. You know, he's putting on a whole lot of power. And his core is getting bigger. So it's like... He keeps talking like, oh, I'm not going to fight unless I get this and this. But here he is putting that weight on getting ready. And Ghana's going to fight Derek Lewis. And it gives – it kind of buys – That's going to be a fun – I hope – well, Lewis, I hope Lewis beat, fun. Lewis beat Ghana. Yeah, but – and it, one of the most boring fights ever. But, but a win's a win, yeah, A win's a win, yeah. The black, and I give – man, I like to see the Black Beast get a title. That'd be great. But then what does that do with John Jones? Does he fight Derek Lewis? Because now the, the, the terror fight – against John Jones versus the terrorizer and Ngannou goes away. So Dana has has said that if John doesn't want to fight um if you do, if John doesn't want to fight Stipe gets the winner of Ngannou yeah. if Stipe and, wants to fight. Yeah, if Stipe wants to fight. So yeah, I mean I guess the question is what happened Wait a minute. What is this? Hold on. What is this? Listeners, he's uh, scrolling. Yeah, sorry, I just had a story that popped up. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not consummate professionals. No, absolutely not. Sometimes we get caught off in la la land. Hey, look around it. The, the way this the way this thing was worded, it was really weird. It says with John Jones out, Stipe Miocic gets Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis winner. Which that's worded very strangely because it, it's, uh, it, it's not what it, it's not what it say, what it means. What it's what Dana is saying is that if if Jones doesn't want to fight, Stipe gets the winner. But yeah. it's not that John Jones is out. John, John do Jones, better, Yahoo Sports. Do, John Jones is John Jones is playing John Jones. Yeah, I'm not fighting unless I get thirty million dollars. I'm not fighting. I'm out. I'm not doing this. I'm that. Dana White's to the point of like, dude, either you're fighting or you're not. As soon as we get Derek Lewis and Gano, you're the next. If you refuse, we're moving to Stipe. We're not going to ask anymore. Well, you saw that John part, parted with his management company, right? Yeah, yeah. Be, because what John's been saying the whole time is, hey. He's not the one who said it. I'm not the one who said this. Nobody's asked me, so you're talking to somebody else. And I think he might have – I think he probably – I think – from what I understand, he fired his management crew because they've been trying to make this the money fight, and that's yeah, not necessarily what John wants. Yeah, he's like, well, he wants to get paid, but he's not asking for thirty, 30 million, million right? Because that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's something else I want to talk about here in a minute. But anyway, keep going. All right. So uh, we got, I mean, you've, we've got some good fights coming up this summer, and a lot, you know. And now that uh, states are starting to reduce uh, mass mandates and looks like we're all be back to normal probably Woo. by June 1st, yay. We'll see more and more live events, which is awesome because I like – I enjoyed watching the fights with no fans because you can hear the strikes. You can mm-hmm. hear stuff land. You can hear the two fighters talking. 
and you can hear the coaches. You can and, hear the corners, yeah. And stuff. So it's kind of cool, but also like the fans because there's just you, you hear that roar when something happens and you get that rush and stuff, you know. And it's it's cool and plus we'll get back to normal and you know, we'll we'll get more training partners in here for us and it's all good. And we've had just in the last three weeks, we've had, I think, five new sign-ups at we've our had, gym. Yeah, we've had a bunch of people come in and try a class or two, and then they either sign up or they don't. That guy yesterday signed up. Yeah. Who brought his daughter in. Yep. But he, yeah, he's... He signed up. Yep, right up. Yep. We had a guy show up yesterday at Saturday's class for no gi, and he was like, yep, I'm signing up. And he signed up his daughter, which is, is awesome. But yeah. I've been in here a couple of... I've, I've, uh, being a blue belt, and sometimes I end up working with some of the new new people. That's you know, uh, I've worked with several here lately, and then some of them seem super excited, and then they just don't come back. And it's just like, you know, and then others come in thinking, I think this is different. They they watch a lot of, you know, and you'll hear them when we're when we're drilling. Yeah, I was watching the UFC, and I figured out I, I want to learn this. I think I can do this. And then then you actually see what it takes and you hear coach talk about how long it takes to get to this belt and they ask me how long I've been training and should you have a black belt by and now? all this stuff and it's just like oh it's like yeah this isn't this isn't a flash in the pan you're not learning this in six months yeah this ain't a made for tv movie where you know the, the hero of the movie is going to win he's going to train for six weeks and he's going to be a world champion you know sorry for you yeah, that's not that's not how this works. Some of the guys, you know, we had, for example, we had two guys come in for their their trial week on the same night, and the one guy, if you had to, if I had to bet on who was going to stay, yeah, right. The guy I bet on because he was, you know, seemed like he was athletic. He had seemed to do some wrestling before, and he was asking a lot of questions, and. I would have put money on the fact that he was the guy who was going to sign up. And he did his 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 uh, his week of, of trial classes. And when it, he's, oh, yeah, I'll come Tuesday to sign up. And we haven't seen him again. The other gentleman who came in with him, I, he's not the guy that I would have put my, my thumb on and said yeah. he's going to be the one to sign up. But he came to his trial classes, he signed up, and he's come to every class that he can come to. Which, you know, you, you just never know who's going to stick around, right? Yeah, I mean, I come when I started all many, many moons ago, I come in with two wrestlers, two young college wrestlers. And they, you know, I was probably the, the same thing. I was 41, 40 years old. And I come in, we all start the same night. And that you got to figure that's probably the same thing. Well, you know, I'm probably not going to stay. And yet... When class was over, I was working by myself when they were rolling on break falls. I was working on the little things. I was borrowing mats to take home for the weekends to work on break falls in my front yard and work on shoulder rolls and work on shrimping. And here I'm a blue belt and I'm here all every, unless work gets involved or, you know, because of COVID, if you get a little cough, we, we, we you know, we try to, prov we try to be careful. Yeah. Cause we don't want, you know, you don't just in case, you know, I've never had COVID. But, you know, but we were always careful. I'm, I'm here. I mean, four, four classes this week. You know, today is uh, our fourth class of the week. But this, you know, yep. today is just takedown day between me and Scott. 
we'll we'll put some pictures up later. Atomic elbow drop day. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm 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 sad to announce that my camera did not catch the the our final takedown with with my atomic drop. I I stood up and did I kissed you know did the whole rock the people's elbow finished finished the day off with the people's elbow. You know, I, I'm sad to say that you know we missed that. The yeah, that that would have that the camera did miss it. That would have been awesome. Um, Jerry, uh, Jerry is is punishing me every time I pull guard or I sit yep. down. So every time I sit down, Jerry just smashes the shit out of me. And Jump, jumps, jumps legs, lands on chest. Yep, <laughs> uh, drops knees. Yeah, I mean, yep. guard pullers do not go to Valhalla. So yeah, the last one was I, yeah, I received yeah. a people's elbow yep. uh, today, which was pretty legit. That was funny. Yep. I knew that was coming. I just curled up in a ball, yep. waited, just dropped it, just stood up, you know, did the whole kiss my bicep and pow, dropped it. That was pretty funny. Hey, hey, don't pull guard. Don't pull guard. Um, so the salary thing. I was reading a post on uh, might have been BJJ Fanatics or, or okay. Chewy, and they were um, this conversation came up about I don't remember what the original conversation but the sub thread somebody made the comment that they think that the average professional BJJ professional BJJ competitor makes makes more money than a UFC fighter but because they have to spend their own money to pay for traveling and stuff, travel tournament fees. He even threw in there they have to buy instructionals yeah. and all this other stuff that they actually net less than the UFC fighter. Well, and I, it, I found that I found it interesting. I also found it totally implausible because if you look at, I mean, I don't know what Nick Nick Lowry. I don't know what his prize purse was for his first fight, but it. I think he said it was. Maybe a couple grand at most. Yeah, yeah, no. I, right? I mean, if you're if you're thinking like if you're talking like Gordon Ryan, you're talking about these dudes who compete twice a month and they're high names, so they're getting, you know, hundred grand to show up because everybody's coming to people are gonna pay buy tickets to come watch him. Yes, but if you're the average Joe, you know, even if you're in you know submission underground, even if you're a black belt, you're probably getting five hundred bucks. Yeah, a I lot mean, of these guys don't even get a thousand dollars. They're just there to. A lot of them compete because they want to compete. They enjoy it, but a lot of them compete to get their name out there and sell their merchandise. I mean, why else would you compete? You you go out there, you compete, you win, you put your name up and say, "Oh yeah, by the way, I got an instructional." Watch BJJ Fanatics. After you have a really good, you know, victory, you'll you'll see that that winner have an instructional on BJJ Fanatics. Because that's what you know. That's how they make their money. I mean, Tom DeBlast is honest. He makes he makes more money from his instructionals and stuff than he does fighting. I mean, he sold what a million copies, or yeah, something like a million copies of his over forty. Warren yeah. Ryan sells a couple hundred thousand uh, copies of each one of his every time he drops. Uh, and Gordon Ryan says that he makes more money from the instructionals than he does competing. Because, yeah, he has to pay for hotels. He has to pay for flights. The UFC, uh, you know, your brand-new fighter, if he's if he's a low, I mean, he's probably making, what, 15 and 15, 15 to show, 15 to win. Uh, if you get a fight bonus, you know, it's 50000 This weekend it was 75000 I don't know if that's going to be the new normal. 
but this weekend it was 75 grand for uh, performance of the night bonuses. Uh, so, but the UFC pays your travel, pays your hotel, and you can uh, go and train at the UFC uh, center, the, their performance institute for free. So you can have your, you know, if you're a new fighter and you can't, aff- and you don't want to share your purse with a t- another team, or you can't really afford to, you you can go live at the Performance Institute and train there uh, as long as you're under contract with the UFC for your fight camp. So I don't know. I think if you're, you know, it probably goes both ways. If you're a brand new fighter in the UFC, you probably don't make a whole lot of money for your wins. But I don't see, unless you're like a Gordon Ryan or, you know, these high-level guys that compete all the time, I don't see you making a whole lot of money just being a grappler. Because up until recently, most of that wasn't even on TV. You know, know, you've got Chell Sonnen's, you know, and Eddie Bravo has the contracts with Fight Pass. But until them two, you really... The only time you saw like a tournament is if you watched it on YouTube or went there live. So, and there ain't a whole lot of money with these tournaments unless you're being shown on TV and you're getting that money. So that's that's all I gotta say, man. I don't I don't know. I just I don't see high level. I unless you're the the elite of the elite, I don't see you making more money being a. a grappler than he would being a professional UFC fighter. Well, and the interesting thing was this guy said the average professional BJJ competitor. That was the thing that caught yeah. my eye was the fact that he said the average competitor. Well, average competitor is not competing in a submission underground. Well, They're right, not an average competitor. I'm sorry, he said the average professional. Okay. Right, if yeah. you take the mid, the midline professional, right? I don't see him making, you know, well, maybe, well, maybe the fact that in, you can compete twice a month so maybe yeah if you're you're just making, by pure volume yeah because you're outdoing volume loss because UFC three yeah, fights maybe. a year if you're brand new I think what 15 15 yeah. so you three fights a year you win all three fights ninety thousand dollars maybe if you have sponsors outside of the UFC maybe make a little bit more but then part of that goes to your camp part of you got paid bills you got to grow you know everything else so yeah maybe if these guys are high level and they're making 15, 20 grand, 25 grand a fight, but again, they got to pay their own travel. They got to pay to get, you know, do this stuff. Yeah. So, but then again, you have the people that get sponsored and they get, you know, the sponsorships and the, their sponsors pay for them to go and compete and they pay for all that so that they get their name out there. I mean, uh, Daniel Kelly, I mean, she's got a lot of sponsors. So, yeah. so I think she gets. You know, all her basically all her stuff's covered. So, you know, it's possible, but you're talking about a new UFC fighter. You're not talking about the high level where Donald Cerrone made seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and he lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, that yeah, that's true. It, it, I guess your your comment on volume, I think, is pretty interesting. That that, that could be right. I mean, you can grapple every week. If, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you could do, I mean, and if you can get on, like, if you could get on NWO and Submission Underground and Flow, right, and... If you're competing at all the high-level tournaments, if you're that good, you're competing every week, 
and you're, you've got a name and some followers, yeah, you could probably do okay. Mm. But I can see that. And you know, but are but how many of those guys are really and yeah. girls are really doing it? And they're making that much money. Most of them are working other jobs, or they're coaching, they're running gyms. You know, they're not living how you know. Only a couple of them are living really well, and that's because they've done other stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. The and that that you know that's that's interesting. That's another thing I saw on on the Facey books um, this weekend. It was a it was an infographic, and I think, like I said, I think it was on like BJJ Fanatics, and it was um, it was a breakdown of number of seconds on the mat for a casual or a, a hobbyist right which we would technically yeah, be considered yeah. hobbyists and then it was you know it was like three times a week for whatever right and then it showed the volume of a high level professional bjj guy and it said something about doing two it was like doing two a days like four days a week teaching two classes yeah. and right and then it, it was basically like the professional guy get the way it broke down. The professional guy got the same volume of training, like in the first month, as the the hobbyist gets the entire year. Yeah, I mean, what you think about the fact? Yeah, I mean, look at Nicky. But Robin. they're professional, yeah. right? They yeah, have nothing job. else yeah. to do. That's not their us. job. You know, we we. I mean, I'm going to miss training this week because my schedule at work had to change because I have to do it. Uh, I have to do something different this week, so I'm not going to get to train at all in here. I'll miss every class this week. I got four in this week, and so Monday through Monday, I'm on the road for my job. So I have to fill in with, you know, uh, solo drills. Uh, I'll probably be watching some uh, BJJ Fanatics uh, uh, instructionals I have. And I'll probably do a lot of kettlebell mace work so that I can come back in here in a week and, you know, maybe be semi-recovered from soreness and throw a beating, <laughs> throw a beating on Scott. It may try, happen. May, <clears throat> maybe try to Hulk Hogan leg drop next time he pulls guard. <laughs> we got to work on your guard pulling. That's what we're, we're going to have a totally backward session one day and all we're going to do is guard pulling. Yeah. Um, We'll pull guard. That'll be fine. Or jump guard. Jump guard. Oh God, no jump guard. Did you see the video? I think it was on Instagram of the dude who went for the flying scissor yeah. and blew that dude's knee out. That that's I, I understand why people go for that sweep, but <coughs> Jesus, that's a scary yeah. sweep. Especially yeah, it's it's not good. Especially for low level practitioners. Yeah. And you always see it always seems to be the white belt, blue belt level they're going for this crazy YouTube stuff and people are getting hurt. It's like, man, don't. I don't know that I've ever seen a high-level black belt go for a flying scissor sweep. If they're playing around, maybe. But, yeah, you're not going to see some – yeah. They're, in competition? Yeah, in competition, they're not. They're not going for something dramatic like that because it's a waste of energy and time and it puts you in a bad spot if you miss it. Yeah. Well, and that just comes back to – and I, I, I'm sure it's different in competition because competition is different. Mm. But, you know, we had the discussion earlier this week about being a good and being a good training partner, protecting yeah. your training partner, 
right? And making sure that everybody's here to train for a long period of time, right? And being, yeah, you can be aggressive, you can be careful at the same time. It's being aware of what you're doing and what's happening to your to your your training partner. I was rolling with Liz and uh, Little Savage, and uh, I we got in some weird position, and I was trying to shift around into like into like X guard, and her toe was planted, and her knee was coming in at a really weird angle, and I you know I was trying to pay attention to what I was doing, and what she was doing, and the knee just looked like it was in a really weird position. So I just totally gave up and went to something else, right? Because, you know, the last thing you want is to be doing something weird and, you know, all of a sudden you hear a pop and your partner can't come back for a year. Yep. So, and, and like I said, I'm sure it's a little different in competition, but, you know, still in competition, you can be cognizant of not, I don't know, not putting your not putting your opponent in too much risk. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, yeah, but. I'm I, pulling on a thread here that doesn't make any sense right now. Yeah. But. But it is what it is, man. Well, well, you know, when people, when the brand new people show up for their first couple classes, you and know, that's they ask the, for advice. Yeah. It's like, don't watch YouTube. Yep. Stay off of YouTube. Don't. That's, you're not going to understand what they're saying, and don't come in here trying to do something you learned on YouTube, because you're going to end up either hurting somebody or you're going to do something really crazy, and then something, you know, an upper belt's going to punish you for it. Yep. And we're like, ah, oh, so you want to try and crank on somebody's knee, somebody's jaw? You want to grab a finger? So I've had guys come here and grab my small joints. It's like, dude, let go of my fingers. You know, it's like, are you tapping? No, you're letting go of my fingers because we don't do small joint manipulation in this gym. And if you break one of my fingers, I'm going to be rather upset. Yeah. Let go of my finger. There's no reason to be trying to bend my fingers back. No. Dude. I mean, if we want to play, if, if that's if that's the direction you want to take this, I've got I'm above you with a knee. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, you will not like how this situation turns out if we continue down yeah. this road. You may break my finger or dislocate it, but I'm probably gonna break your jaw. Yeah, there is the one choke defense where you break the dude's finger, but yeah, that one we 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 do that gently, very it gently. Is, it is, yeah, that, but that is a self defense technique that we do, and we right off the bat, it's. Be gentle on your partner. It's going to hurt. Go slow. Uh, and that's something that, you you know, a lot of times we drill and you're like, yeah, so start it slow, but then when you feel comfortable, amp it up a little bit. Don't let go of the headlock. Don't let go of this so they have to fight out of it. Because in the real world, if you're trying self-defense, you're, you're, the aggressor's not going to be nice. They're not going to let you get out of it. So, but with those the joint manipulation ones, it's like, you can drill that in here slowly, but you know it works because you're putting guys on their knees just by putting a little pressure on. So when it comes time to, I can grab two fingers and snap them. But yeah, there's you'll see these guys who watch these YouTube videos and they'll come in here, you know, after a class or two, like, yeah, I learned this, and they try something weird. It's like, dude, don't, don't do that. They'll try Barambolo or something yeah. weird. Yeah, it's not quite time for that. Yeah, you got, you, you gotta, you, you need to need to follow the flow. Yep. You get well, and listen to your coach. Yeah. Right. Listen right. to your coach. Listen to your upper belts. You know, you can. You they they will not. They're not there to steer you wrong. I mean, yesterday, one of the purple belt come over and talked to me for a second. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I thought I was doing the right thing, but kind of gave me you know, hey, uh, let him figure this out. Because you know, I was trying to coach something. He's like, nope, just let him figure it out. So okay. And I listen to my upper belts, you know. And the blue belts, we, we kind of coalesce to each other. 
there's no, you know, we kind of back and forth, you know, it's like we listen to each other and, you know, the Bluebell Mafia, we, Blue we support Bell each Mafia. other and we listen to each other and we look out for each other. And when, as a group, we look out for the white belts, you know, because a lot of times it's the blue belts that are working with the brand new, the brand new guys, you know, we've taken, me and Scott have taken one under our wing now that's, you know, seems really interested and he signed up and we'll see how it goes. Yep. But we were taken under yeah. upper belts wings when we started and I still kind of am. I'm still leaning on, you know, the upper belts a lot and wanting to roll as much as I can with the upper belts. Yep. So, um, in the ongoing saga of Diego Sanchez, did you see, did you watch the podcast with Anthony Smith? I just, I, it's, yeah. I, I listened to I wanted the whole to drink. thing. I wanted to drink. I don't even know why Anthony Smith did that. I, it was, it was, it was actually sad. It was, yeah. it was really sad. I'm, I don't know why they, they, they did that. I don't know why Anthony Smith agreed to let him come on his show. Uh, you know, and I have a feeling it was someone else booked it for the drama purposes of the UFC, but it put Anthony Smith in a bad spot because this Diego's lost it. They need to – he needs to be committed. It, I'm, I'm scared. I am scared that sooner or later we're going to wake up and you're going to see a headline about him where he's done killed himself. Yeah. Um, he started – it started Or out, the other guy's going to kill him. His coach you – that know, his so-called yeah, coach. That because coach. that dude does crazy shit to him. Hangs him upside down for training. I mean – Talking about he hangs him by his feet and like blindfolds him and beats on him. Yeah. So they for his training, it's like man, because that's the shit Dana White was talking. Was like man, you're fucking nuts. Yeah. And Sorry, I, that's that's my one. Yeah, we. I had mine. You, yeah, you got yours. That's my but, one. You know, it started out. It started out. You know, typical Diego Sanchez. Yeah. And then it just went downhill yeah, from there. And he, and he finally. I mean, the, his whole thing about Dana White, you know, having him off because he's telling the truth. Well, it's like, what are you telling the truth about? I mean, even Dana White responds like, "What? What exactly do you think you're telling the truth about? I've done nothing. We're open. We're transparent. What you asked for your release? Well, what Diego was saying in the podcast, and it, it's a, it's an interesting perspective, and I'm going to say that to be kind. But you know what he's saying is, the U, basically what he's saying is the UFC is a business, and fighters are commodities, and they're only treated as commodities." Right, and that you'll basically he's you know he was saying that you know Daniel dangle the belt in front of a new fighter and go if you work hard enough you can get this and basically saying he'll pimp out the fighters but never actually give them a chance at the belt and the the organization eats fighters from what I can kind of see where he's coming from but that's the truth that that's the truth that he's saying that's going to get him in trouble with Dana. But Dana but, White said that. It's, I mean, it's, I got 80, he, he said it himself before, but not, you know, maybe not in those exact terms, but I've got 800 fighters. Not everybody's going to get a title shot. Yeah. Some guys make fight one fight and you're gone. Some people do their three fight contract and they don't resign them because there's 10,000 fighters out there we can sign today. I mean, Kayla Harrison, who's yeah. destroying women in the PFL, you know, they asked Dana White about signing, he goes, I've told her I'm interested. Her team doesn't think she's quite ready for the UFC. 
He's like, when she's ready. It's a mature move. When she's ready, she can come over. But they think she's got some stuff to work out, and the PFL is great growing for her. There you go. I mean, you think about how many organizations the UFC runs. They don't just have the UFC. Yeah. They own Invicta. They own Lion Fight. They own a bunch of small or feeder organizations. They we can replace you, and in, it's no different. But I mean, acting like the UFC is something where look at boxing. Oh yeah. I mean, boxing yeah. the same thing. How many tens of ten or twenty thousand guys think they're going to be the next world champion? And you never hear of these guys. They all fight 40, 50, 60 fights. And you'll never hear about them. And then they'll get that one fight where a car, a big card, a fight falls through and they need somebody to take the fight on a day or two to notice. And they tap this guy and he goes in and gets demolished. I mean, you see it all the time. I've watched fights at... It was back before COVID because they were still, you know, and this guy, his record was one of the most ridiculous records I've ever heard of. He was four and 141. Jesus Christ. And still boxing. He boxed. They're like, yeah, he fights two or three times a week. It's like, good Lord. And he got his fifth win that night. It's like, you've lost 140 some fights and you're still fighting because he gets paid. <clears throat> and then, uh, then Diego brought up you know, towards the end when he really started breaking down. By the end of the interview, he was he was crying. It was it was actually really really it's hard. Brutal. It was really hard to listen to. Um, but he brought up you know, Spencer Fisher and his problems. You know, Spencer's got neurological yeah. damage, and he gets dizzy, and he's in you know retirement, and, and that's another you know, gripe that Diego has. They're a complaint that Diego has was basically you know, UFC's done with you. They just kind of throw you aside and, you know, don't help. And, you know, they, apparently he's got a thing with Clay, with Clay Guida because he's pissed off that Daniel talked to Clay Guida, but not him. Um, he, he called out Clay. He said something about Clay Guida, um, you know, that, that Daniel called Clay Guida and talked to him for an hour, but won't answer Diego's phone calls. Well, I wonder why. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it was it was hard. It was hard to listen to. Like I said, Diego's always been questionably attached to reality, yeah. but I agree with Jerry. I'm really worried about the dude now. Him and his coach both. I'm I'm just worried something's going to happen because that coach is crazy, or they're going to do something really crazy like show up at a UFC event and try to get in, and cause some hubbub, and with a knife again, like his yeah. coach did that last yeah, time. So you're gonna see someone get arrested. It's just yeah, you get you get to a point in it. Yeah, do I agree with how the UFC handles old fighters? No. But look at the NFL. NFL didn't do a whole didn't, didn't you know my favorite player of all time was Junior Seau. Yeah. And he committed suicide, suicide because of the damage he took while playing football. He had CTE. It took the NFL still ain't doing a whole lot for players. I mean. And he talk, you know, he talks about. Uh, we were just talking about the pay discrepancy. Look at the pay discrepancy in the NFL. I mean, veterans. If you're a journeyman, if you're just a nobody filling a roster, you're not making that much. No. Most of these guys have other jobs in the off season because, you know, they get minimum league minimum. 
and they just play because they want to. They play because they love it. They, you know, whatever reason. And you know, NFL don't do a whole lot. You know, the. I mean, it's a sport. It's a business. I mean, you got you know, and I'm not. You know, I'm that guy that's like, hey man, you agree to this contract. You need to agree to a better contract. When people complain about what they make, you know, when they're working, it's like, well, did you agree to that pay? Well, yes. Okay, why? Well, what did you do? I said, I need to make at least this much. If you want my services, you got to pay me this. And it worked. I'm here. Yep. This is what I have to be. This is what I need. So it's the same thing in the UFC. It's the same thing when, you know, with a lot of these fighters, like, I'll fight, but it's going to cost you this. Or I want to share. I mean, McGregor, they gave him a share of the yeah. company. And, get, and really, the money is made of pay-per-view shares, yeah. right? I mean, that's yeah. if you can get pay-per-view share, that's where you start making the money. Yeah, you get a couple points off the pay-per-view, so you get your base pay. If you win, you get you know they double it, and then but a lot of these guys they get three, four, five percent of pay-per-view, and you're talking about you know a million plus views at seventy bucks a pop. Yeah, that's that's yeah. when you start talking real money yeah. when you start getting share. And you know they're getting another. Seven hundred thousand dollars, yeah. and then they get you know their sponsorships. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, and that's what Dana White. If a lot of these guys, he gets some sponsorships. Well, and that was also that was supposed to be the when it comes to the pay issue, right? That was supposed to be the thing with Reebok. Yeah, right. It would. It was supposed to be. You can have your sponsors, right? But you can't promote them at the fight. Yeah. But Reebok is gonna give us enough money that we're gonna be able to pay you better base contract. And it never happened. It didn't work out. It looks like Venom's gonna get them there because Venom's it, paying yeah, fighters. Venom's paying a lot better than Reebok did. Yeah, Venom's paying them a lot more. Yeah, because Reebok's was like four hundred bucks to like the young fighters, the new fighters. Uh, Venom is like one to five fights. I think is like four grand. Five fight five to twenty fights. You know, and the UFC is like twenty grand or something, and then it's like championship fights are like ridiculous. You mm-hmm. know, and yeah, because you're wearing their gear. I like their fight kit better too. Yeah, it's cooler. I, I I would have thought the Reebok designers could have come up with a better design. Re- Reebok had just plain colors. Yeah. Venom's coming out, man. These guys coming out with like splash tie, you know, almost like tie dye stuff and all kinds of like cool little designs. And, yeah, you know, they'll I, do whatever. I like their fight kit. Yep. And I like their fight kit. Yeah, they're they're you know title main events and title fighters. The title fight, the champion gets a big bonus from Venom. Mm-hmm. Reebok didn't do that shit. Reebok, I think, was like I think McGregor when he beat Eddie Alvarez. I think what Reebok gave him like fourteen hundred bucks. It was not that much. And it's like you know what what's the point? Reebok wanted the rights and then they lost them. UFC dumped them. That's gas money for Connor's. Range Rover. Yeah, or his yacht. Yeah, yacht, his little, whatever. Know, pays his docking fee for that yacht. Yeah, exactly. Man, but he, he made his money elsewhere. Yeah. He used his name for the UFC to make money elsewhere. And a lot of these guys, that's what they do. They put their name on something. They, they, they get branding. You know, that's where they make the money. The money's, you know, boxers. I mean, Mike Tyson is still making money because he's Mike Tyson. He well, can make money off his name. Bob Sapp in Japan. Yeah, I Bob mean, Sapp in Japan is still a god. He's yeah, he's big chocolate man. 
Yeah, he's he's a god in Japan still. I mean, they still pay a ridiculous amount of money to, for him just to show up. Yeah, just to do product endorsements yeah, and stuff. whatever. They love him. They love Bob Sapp. I mean, yeah, you've got to do, you know, that's what a lot of people, it's, it's not only what you do in the ring or the octagon, the cage, whatever you want to say, it's what you do outside. Bob Sapp is 100% underrated, yeah. right? Just as like an entertainer because he's, He's this gigantic I mean, he's like 300-and-some-odd pounds with abs. He's funny as hell. He's been in a and lot. he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's been in a lot of movies. A lot of movies, uh, yeah. Normally, he did a, a couple with Michael J. White where he was the bad guy. He seems like to always be the bad guy. But then he was in The Longest Yard with... Uh, uh, Keanu Reeves? No. no. The, uh, he was in The Longest Yard with uh, Happy, uh, uh, Adam Sandler. Oh, oh Where right, he played right. the, the lineman. That's right. They're going to let me play the foosball? The foosball? Yeah, man. We'll let you play the foosball. All right. He's, you know, he played, you know, kind of a slow guy. But, dude, yeah, dude's freaking phenomenal. He's fat. You know, he's pretty fast for dude. You know, he's had some great fights. And, yeah, he's a big, strong guy. And in Japan, they just love they him. Love him he's a death. god over there. But he, and that's where he lives. He's like, yep, these are the people that want to see me. This is where I stay. I mean, it's just like. You know, we we joke about uh, a lot of these old '80s action stars, man. They move where they need to, man. You know, Steven Seagal is a Russian citizen now because they love him in Russia. Hey, that's where the money is. And you know what? People, yeah. You know. And, and you know what? If you got to be best friends with anybody, Putin's probably yeah, not no, a bad no, plan. No, that's have... that's a pretty that's a pretty safe bet. If yeah. You're, if you're one of his icons, he likes you to where he invites you to become a citizen and you get to hang out with him and go eat dinner at the Kremlin. It's not so bad. Not so bad. You know, we're not endorsing Putin and his way, his lifestyle, but we're saying if you need somebody in your corner, that's, yeah. not, that's not too shabby, man. Yeah, if Putin says, I like you, you'll come here. I don't think anybody says no. Yeah. It's not a, not it's a like smart move. the story I heard about a guy went over there with his wife, and Putin just, like, you know, left the guy out on the balcony and took his wife. And then, the you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, bodyguard stepped up and locked the door, and he just had, I mean, he's like, what do I do? I mean, hey. you you wait, take her home after done. Yeah, you're just yeah, literally like, yep. Well, hope 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 she does well. Yeah. <laughs> just, for your sake, yeah, for your for your safety, hope she does well. It's just like, hey, you know. And then what? Do you get mad? Putin, the, you know, one of the most powerful men in the world, thinks my woman was hot. You know, that's 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 braggable right there. Man. Yeah, right. Hey, dude. Anyway. Yeah, like, what are you gonna do, man? You wanna fight him? Uh, well, you know, even even if you even if it came down to that, I don't right. Yeah, it's can still you take not it? a good idea yeah, because Putin, he's a sambo master of sport. sport, and I mean he's a KB, KGB guy, man. I mean, yeah. This dude probably got like ninja skills as you ain't ever seen. Yeah, and he wasn't an analyst; he yeah. was a real yeah, deal spook. Have you ever seen the old school picture? There's an old picture that that recently got rediscovered. It's Vladimir Putin as a younger man. Meeting Ronald Reagan, <laughs> but he was posing when it was when Reagan when they when they knocked the wall down. Yep. But it was him posing as a Berliner, wearing a camera. But it, there's a picture, uh, an, an official White House picture of Ronald Reagan shaking hands with Vladimir Putin, who was supposed to be there as a as a person, someone from uh, Berlin who was happy to see the wall coming down. And it's like, there you I go, I guarantee that camera wasn't a camera. And here he is shaking hands with the president of the free world. And, you know, handshake 
can easily become a, you know, there's been a lot of rumors here lately of people who don't, you know, rumors and some of them just flat out figure it out. I mean, he just kills people. He, he a big fan of poison. Yep. Yep, he likes that uh, deuterium or whatever that stuff is. That, that heavy metal. That yeah, there's that, nothing, nothing that they can do for you. That poor guy, that poor dissident guy, yep. he's, that dude's jacked for life. Yep, that it's guy. something that, yeah, that there's no cure for. And they can't even chelate it out like there's no treatment, yep, yep. basically. You're, just, you're done. It's your death sentence. It might, it's going to be a slow, painful death. Yep. Instead of killing him outright, he's like, yeah, all that shit you've been talking, enjoy the rest of your life. Well, and that's, that's one of, it's like, you know, do you, if you're in that position, right, and he's causing that much trouble, yeah. do you kill him and get rid, you know, get, make, him a ma- martyr? make him a martyr, or do you make him a living example of what you will do to anybody who screws with you? And by no means are we endorsing. We're not. Anything. No, it's just we're, it, just, we're just analyzing. Yeah, the yeah, fact it, that it's an interesting philosophical you know, yeah. dis, philosophic discussion. Um, yeah, I mean, because yeah, we can go down. I am Negan. Yeah, exactly. Render on the gym. Jerry. All right, man. You got anything else for various and sundry? No, nah, I'm, I'm good. All right, so we'll hear. Uh, take a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with our closing thoughts and and our and Jerry's really. So we'll be right back. And we're back. All right. So before we, in a in a, a break time uh, consultation, we found out Jerry and I both have the same topic for today. Yeah. So before we get into that, um, as you guys know, we are donating the proceeds of our podcast to charity. Mm-hmm. The last uh, donation that we made was to Dustin Poirier's The Good Fight, uh, which we were very happy yep. to do. Jerry and I have talked about it, and the next round of donations that we do are going to be to the Guardian Group. Um, we've talked multiple times about how much we hate child traffickers and, yeah. you know, want to do horrible things to them. And the Guardian Guardians group is a group of former military and law enforcement that does active investigation and um, child recovery from the traffickers. Uh, so that will be, they will be the recipients of uh, our next round donation. So all you listeners um, know that, just so you know that you're, you're, the proceeds of this uh, of this podcast and your interest are going to uh, going to good causes, and this time around it'll be the Guardians Group. Yep. So when again, when we uh, get to the point where we can make our withdrawal and donate to Guardians Group, we'll post it up on uh, on the internet. We will always show our receipts and be open yep. with our listeners. So um, similar to what we did with uh, with the the good fight, we'll we'll put our receipts up online. So. As you guys may or may not, well, I think everybody knows, uh, there was a, a, a an interesting uh, situation this week with the fuel supply to the eastern coast of the United States. Jerry and I live basically in the <clears throat> middle of that that block area. That block area. Um, you know, the beginning of the week, they they talked about the pipeline shut down, yeah, and then around, attack. yeah, it was a cyber attack from uh, Dark Seed on a, a private uh, gas distribution company. And, you know, over the weekend it was pretty calm and then things started to get weird around Tuesday. Well, that was because, that, uh, part of that was because the governor, I think the statement he was trying, I think what he was trying to say and what actually got heard is two different things because he put out kind of like a state of emergency, hey, be careful with the fuel, we're gonna need fuel, for, we need fuel for you know, emergency vehicles, this and this. 
Uh, and instead, people took that as, oh, my God, I have to go get every bit of gas I can. Yeah. So a lot of our local gas stations actually ran out of fuel. And it's just like, uh, and if you're running around, and there's a few people I talked to. They were literally like, yeah, you know, I got a quarter tank. I'm running around, you know, the red light's coming on. It's like, why are you, you shouldn't, your vehicle should never be under half a tank. Ever. And yeah. the reality should always be close to three quarters of a tank. Because if you need to go somewhere in, a, in an emergency. Yeah, are you're you not going to be able to stop fuel? for fuel. So that's just, one, that's one thing. But watching these people, people were locally, we live in a, in a quiet area. People were fighting over gas. Fist fights were going on. People were blocking traffic. There were and, lines. Yeah, there were lines. They were you could only get so much money at a gas at certain gas stations. You know, you can't put so much in. And my company, we need fuel for what we do. And it's just like some of my, you know, some of the drivers are like, man, I hit like four stations just to get the truck full. Because they wouldn't let us get but so much. Or they were out. The station was out. That station was out. And people were putting diesel in their cars. <laughs> and yes, diesel will, you know, there were some people like, well, you can't substitute. Technically, you can. You can burn it. It's just your engine's not going to like it. And you're probably going to have to get a really good tune-up afterwards. Because diesel is not, you get gasoline from diesel. Yeah. It's split. You take, what, what you do is you split diesel and you get kerosene and gasoline. Yeah, it, it's got a heavy, it's got a, a heavy sulfur and heavy oil constituent. Yeah, to it. so you, you, there's, there's a breakdown procedure. It's a, it's a cruder distillate. Yeah, now I've never understood why you pay more for diesel when it's refined less than you do for gasoline. It's because of the low sulfur yeah, process uh, yeah, they have to go through. They have through. to go through the process now. But back in the old days, yeah, back in the old days, you diesel pay, was cheaper. Yeah, yeah, you, you wouldn't pay nothing for diesel, but it costs more to maintain your vehicle because diesel's was a thicker, dirtier. Yeah. Fuel, but I mean, some of the stuff people were doing, putting it in uh, shopping bags. There, I saw you know there was videos of people putting it in totes, plastic totes, yeah, and putting it in their trunks. Uh, a guy locally was filling up uh, a water tank, uh, one of those big five hundred gallon water tanks. He was filling it up with gas. It's like, dude, you really think you need that? This ain't the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, you're just at that point, you're just being. I stopped to get just to top my my tank off at at in the middle of the night. Well, about ten o'clock, ten thirty. Gas station only had there was a couple people there. You know, wasn't you know, but there was a vehicle beside me that had fifteen five gallon cans they were filling up. Yep. I was uh, after practice on on Tuesday. I was heading home. I called in a takeout order at a, at a local restaurant, and I had a couple minutes. So, I'll go, you know, and, you know, again, you know, typically we don't let our tank get below yeah. half. So it's like, oh, yeah, I'll go top up just in case. And some, and I'm sitting there and waiting in line, and some dude pulls in with a boat and fills his boat up. And I went home and told my wife, I'm like, there's a dude there with a boat, and everybody looked like they were going to kill him. She's like, well, this is a great time to go boating. I'm like, it's not a boat. It's a gigantic fuel can. I mean, yeah, he's going to siphon, the, siphon the fuel out. Um but, I mean, to, to Jerry's point, well, go ahead and finish your point, Jerry, and then I'll make mine. Well, it's just, it's just the idea that you, people are panicking. And, that, and the panic is what led to people doing the dumb things, putting it in grocery bags, putting it in uh, plastic jugs, 
getting in fistfights over fuel. And literally, if you listen to the people who are in the pipeline, yes, the pipeline is shut down now. We have a backup system. They put the fuel in trucks. It takes four days to get from Texas to where we are. Our regional fuel comes out of Roanoke. It takes four days from Texas to Roanoke. They're like, you'll have fuel by Friday. Don't worry. But people are like, oh, my God, we're out of gas. No, we're not. And I was making jokes because I was enjoying trolling people. Because people are panicking. It's like toilet paper. Oh, my God. During COVID, we didn't have toilet paper. Why? I still don't understand that. Why It's a respiratory paper? disease. Why do you need? Why are we fighting over rules of toilet paper? They're still producing it. Why are we fighting over toilet paper? And then it's like, it, but you see these people. Every time we have, locally, every time we have, if there's a chance of snow, people go to the store buy milk and eggs. Yeah. And bread. It's like, and it's, I love it when it's going to be an ice storm. And you might lose power. You might buying milk, bread, and eggs. What are you going to do with milk, bread, and eggs if you lose power, brother? Yeah. You're going to, I mean, the milk, yeah, you can drink. You can eat bread. What are you going to do with the eggs? You just, you're going to put them in a glass and drink them down? Drink them. You, you, you know, you uh, rocky now? I mean. When I was in high school, I worked at the, the food line yeah. over here in Verona. And Jerry's exactly right. The, the people would come in. They would buy milk, bread, eggs, and hamburgers. Yeah, and if they couldn't get hamburger, they would get the butcher counter to grind up steak into hamburger, and it's like, okay, why the hamburger? Yeah. It's you know, like Jerry said, if the power goes out, how are you going to cook the hamburger? And if you can cook the hamburger, you could cook the steak anyway. So yeah. why hamburger? Yeah, why, why am I going to pay high dollar for steak to get ground up in a hamburger? I'm just going to eat the steak. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, eat the steak. But like I said, it's the panic. People people don't hear exactly what's being said. The governor would say, hey, let's just be careful. It's going to take a few days for fuel to get here now because there is a backup system in place, fuel trucks. So please, and he literally was like, uh, maintain your fuel. Don't make any unnecessary trips for a couple of days because we will need the, the fuel for emergency vehicles. And people took that as, oh, my God, I better go get every bit of gas I can. Yep. And there was a local one that people that went around locally um, – one of our local gas stations, a guy took a picture. The woman had all these no pipeline stickers, gas is bad stickers, and then and her uh, license plate, because here in Virginia you have to pay a registration fee every year, you get a sticker, had expired two years previously. So she's driving around with an illegal <laughs> vehicle with all these anti-gas stickers and a big old SUV putting gas in it. It's like, huh, <laughs> I guess those stickers didn't work. Yep. So the the... The thing that I wanted to say about this whole thing is this comes back to some of our previous discussions on being prepared, on, yep. on preparedness. Yep. Because I, it might have been Tuesday, maybe it was Wednesday, but I was, I think it was Larry Kudlow. I don't know where he came up with this idea, but he was saying that if the pipeline's not turned on by Friday, um, you know, we're going to start having problems with other problems right other distribution problems the power grid was going to be in trouble and all i don't know where he fucking came sorry that okay i'm in f4 purgatory now i don't know where he came up with that but if that's if that could have happened i don't think that would have happened but if that could have happened okay we don't use gasoline for power grid. I know. I, I did Even not understand that. We use natural gas, which is not what's running through that pipeline. That's mm-hmm. a gasoline nope. pipeline. Coal. And, and we use coal or wind solar. But people, but again, did he do his research? A I, lot of people just say, well, this is, they see 
gas pipeline that's a natural gas facility. Oh my God, we're not going to have power. Gasoline, natural gas, two different things. Two different things. things. You can make, your cars can, they have vehicles that run on natural gas. Yeah. They're not, a, they're, they're not the easiest things in the world to deal with, so they're not very popular, but yeah. there's, there's, there some, for a while, there were some states that ran their entire fleets on natural yeah, gas. Yeah, a lot of a lot of state service trucks. And I think... Uh, Virginia had some. Yeah, I think it might be one of the Norwegian countries. I think all their buses run on natural gas. Yeah, I think Norway. Because, yeah, it might be Norway. It's, it's one of the... You know, one there, for sure, if it was that or Denmark, or it could be both. They're, they run on natural gas because it's cheaper, it's efficient, it's clean, but it is... It takes a... It's, very finicky you gotta be very careful i mean years ago you know when i was a young man trying to find a decent job i worked for swans and our vehicles were natural gas yeah and if you weren't careful them things would vapor lock and you weren't going anywhere <laughs> but the, the the thing that made what i thought about with this cudlow thing was okay if that really could happen the gas is no longer the problem yeah having gasoline is no longer the problem right because if the power grid goes down right for however long nobody needs to go to needs to go to work right because nobody's going to do any work so it's not the immediate crisis that you need to think about it's the second and And third third, orders right so again it comes back to you know having your larder stocked up having some having some or or having some reserve food that you don't necessarily need electricity to cook having a second method to either keep yourself warm or cool depending on what um you know what uh, situation you're in. It's the the primary crisis isn't what's going to get you. It's what happens after that. And everybody's freaking out about gas about gasoline. And I understand, like, oh my god, I might not be able to get to work. Your boss is probably going to understand if, hey, you know, we haven't had any gas for a week and I can't come to work. Right? Again, if we go, uh, we, even if we went a week without gas in this area. That would no longer be the problem, yeah. right? Because nobody would have gas. So everything that revolves around right. having gasoline is no longer the issue because nobody's got it. Yep. Even the, the moron with the 500-gallon stock tank, right? He's not going to have gas either because somebody's probably going to come over and kill it yeah. and take it. Yeah. But then that's another Support thing Support your local prepared. warlord. That, that's another one of those things about being prepared. I saw someone's like, all those gas cans... You're filling up unless you know how to fight. You're, you're filling, filling them up, up for somebody, somebody else. But and it comes back to the preparedness. Is like, and the fact that you're like he, you know, Scott just said. I'm watching you fill up a 500 gallon tank of fuel. If you think I'm, you know, and if it gets to that point, push and shove, you know, someone's gonna follow you home and take it. Yeah, you got it on a trailer. Yeah. Let's go hook up to your trailer. And take there's the trailer. a lot. There's a lot of trucks you can haul that trailer. And if the we're and if we we're to the point where we didn't have any fuel left, you really think the cops have time to come chase after me? Hell, or they can might they? Come, or they're going to come and take the gas too. Yeah. Oh they're yeah. Gonna start, you know, they're going to start saying, "Yep, we're we're going to need this, this, and this. We're going to, you know, we have to have this fuel." So they're going to start, you know, confiscating. You know. Yeah. That's a distinct possibility. So what what I'm trying to say is, I don't want to say that the that that whatever's going on right now is a distraction. It's not, but you shouldn't get target fixated on whatever the thing is that's happening now, whatever the crisis is right now. Right, take the gasoline thing. If you get fixated on the gasoline thing, you're gonna go all in on the gasoline thing, and you'll forget everything else. And forget everything else, right? And and a lot of you people, 
gasoline does not store well. No, it you, goes bad. It, uh, the shell, the you can't store it really well. You need to know how to properly store it. Uh, you can't just put it in those five gallon cans and put it in your shed. One, it's going to vapor, and if you're not careful, you will have a nice big explosion. And it will. Gasoline has a bad tendency of drawing moisture. Mm-hmm. And you, if you're really going to store it for a while, especially Mr. Five Hundred Gallon Tank Guy, you, I hope you bought some uh, stabilizer. Something, yeah. Yeah, uh, you can buy it at your local. Uh, Auto parts place. It's shelf. Sta- it's a gas stabilizer, fuel stabilizer. It keeps it from going bad. It keeps the octane from dying in it. Because it's, you know, all of you people watch those old old movies where the, it's in the world, but they get a car to start that's been sitting still for three years. It's never gonna happen. Yeah. The gas ain't gonna have that spark anymore. Nope. The octane goes away. Yep. It'll go flat. Yep. It'd be, yeah, gasoline can go flat. It'll Basically, be, yeah, that's a great description. So young people can understand it. It will lose the octane boost. It will lose its flammability. It still might burn if you put direct fire to, but it's not going to spark and burn in your vehicle. It, it won't. It'll be flammable, but not combustible. Yeah, there's a slight. Yeah, there is. It won't be usable in your vehicle. So th- that's that's what I'm. Th- those are all great points, Jerry. But that's what I'm trying to say is. If you get don't get target fixated, you know, look out at the second and third well, third level issues. Everybody's target fixated on gas this weekend. People totally missed the fact that Israel and Hamas are going at it again. Yeah. And then people are like, Oh yeah, look over here. And you know, look at all the gas problems. And it's like Israel, you know, they're firing thousands of rockets into Israel and Israel's using the Iron Dome to protect itself and then it's uh trying to do limited airstrikes because it doesn't you know they don't want to kill civilians but hamas is just firing hundreds hundreds of rockets into israel hamas does they're not aiming they're firing rockets into population centers and people are you know israel yes i'm not getting into the political part of it i you know that's i'm not doing that it's just but that while we're all fixating on gas people are you know fighting you know over this and that and we're not really doing a whole lot about that either. You heard, so you heard the, uh, I told you about the, the latest conspiracy theory about the pipeline. No. Right. So supposedly Darkseed asked for 5 million in ransom. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be paid in Bitcoin. As everybody knows, or anybody who knows anything about crypto knows, basically Bitcoin is untraceable. So the current conspiracy theory is, is that this was all a play. To give the the federal government a reason to try to figure out how to seize and make Bitcoin traceable and auditable. Oh, yeah, that or I've heard seen other conspiracies where that their the mass mandates are ending, so they got to have another way of limiting our travelability and the control. So hey, if we take away your gas, you can't travel. That's a good one. But at the end of the day, they're I think all that's falling apart because people aren't going back to work. And our economy starting to tank, so now they're getting ready to uh, end a lot of these extra subsidies for unemployment yeah. because the economy is starting <laughs> to tank. There's no reason for you not to go back to yeah, work. Yeah, now and CDC announced, hey, let's just get rid of the masks. Our state, I was impressed. The governor, I figured it'd take him a while. That for as soon as the CDC released their, their, Mid- their midnight news, the same day, the, the midnight the same day, masks. For vaccinated people, you're welcome to drop your mask at midnight, uh, May 28th. 
uh, it's totally ends all restrictions in Virginia ends on May 28th. Uh, he did put a caveat in, which I understand and I'm fine with, is that a business owner, uh, business establishment, it is up to them. They can still ask you to wear a mask in their facility. And we were talking about it yesterday on the mats. A couple guys were laughing, you know, about you know wearing a mask here or there. And I was like, yeah, I don't mind wearing a mask because that way I don't have to talk to people. <laughs> Boy, I can't hear you. Get a mask on. I'm you know, just, you know, you I can walk off. Go just leave me alone. But it, we also still find amusing that, you know, uh, walk into a liquor store with a mask on. <laughs> yeah, I still think that that was, the, that was probably the weirdest thing about the whole COVID quarantine thing. You know, you just walk into the store. Walk into a liquor store or a gas station with a mask on. It's probably the only time in history you could do that and not get shot. Yeah, and, you know, the fact, it's even funnier is when I have I have a concealed carry, and so I have a mask on and a gun. It's like, yeah, this is it's kind of weird, but our, our local sheriff made it very clear that uh, because part, uh, one of the concealed carry things, you can't wear a mask. You, you you in, in our state, you cannot wear a mask while can't, with a firearm. It becomes, it, it becomes a felony just to possess a firearm and while wearing a mask. And you can't wear a mask in our state over the age of 15 because it becomes... Uh, they can actually charge you with like because why are you wearing a mask in public you know but uh he put out he's like nope when it becomes a a rule a governor rule a state rule where you have to wear a mask it does not impede your concealed carry so you're still legally allowed to wear a mask and carry a gun so it's like hey old west days yep it's a wild one all right jerry you got anything else no man that was a good one good one uh everybody uh We've talked about it before. I'm going to end this on. Do we talked about it last week? It was on our show notes, man. Do the things you, that you don't like to do. Yep. Scott, you know, we're we're training takedowns. Both of us. I we need more work on takedowns. Uh, and you know, it's not something Scott's a big fan of. I mean, because you get you know, and I'm not a super fan of takedowns because man, you get dropped. I mean, I kind of kind of head to my jaw this morning and rattled my teeth. It was an accident. But do the things you're afraid of. Do something. You know, do something once a week. You know, I see these guys out here, I'll do something every day that you're scared of. Man, if you got something you're scared of every day, that's, you know. Yeah, you got more issues than that. You got more issues than that. But you should always work on the thing you're weak at. You know, you have your strengths. Most people tend to stay on their strengths, and they never cover their weaknesses. And then the weaknesses just get more and more blatant. So work on your weaknesses. You still have your strengths. But shore up your weaknesses. No, maybe it will never be your strength, but it won't be... A total yeah know, it won't be your life. main weakness it was yes you're not going to fail if that's what happens yeah you know sure it up you know maybe you'll be mediocre at a particular thing but being mediocre is barely better than being a failure yep agreed being average is always about better than being failure take a c over an f every day man it, yep it's still a passing grade man yep. when in doubt charlie out yep um, so before we go, want to give a quick shout out to um, our special guest from a couple episodes, John Garner. John's yeah. John's having a little bit of a rough go of it right yeah. now. Life's not treating him real good, so we just want to send some love John's way yep. and uh, let him know we're thinking of him. And if you need anything from us, man, the Rolling Rocks team's here for you. Um, so hit us up if you need anything. But and uh, finish out on the Jits Chicks. Jits Chicks finally got their podcast done last night. Well, they got it recorded, uh, supposedly. Well, they, they, so. they were celebrating the fact that they got it recorded. Uh, and, I, you know, now they just they got to get the editing done, and I'm looking forward to it. I, It'll be I good. I think it, unlike us, we just threw a phone down and started recording. 
they're they're going all in their first episode with lighting cameras everything they're we're picking on them a little bit but it's in good fun because they're 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 trying to go they're going super high yeah. tech and very professional right off the bat and they wanted to be perfect and I understand man we me and Scott we just threw a phone down with an app I mean and now we just have a microphone and a, a laptop well, also, Jerry, remember, we have the faces that are made for radio, so video is not necessarily our best field. I'm adorable. Yeah. So well. you just, you just, maybe you, but I'm adorable. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> I'm adorable. Oh, <laughs> We're going to end it on that. We're going to end it on that. I hit my head today. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. So until the next show, I'm Scott Barker. He's Jerry Armitrout. Later. We're out. The music for tonight's episode was But I Am Shafts of Light by Mayeth from their album Wailing Village.